We welcome you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sean. Just bless me seeing these college-aged uh, thereabouts uh, students leading us in worship, and uh, that was so, so good. Thank you so much. Can we just thank the Lord for them again? I thought that was amazing. Good job. Good job. Good job. Ooh, my heart is still uh, just still overflowing and just blessed from last Sunday. God just visited our church in, in a wonderful way. If you were here, then you know what I'm talking about. We had a time of confession, a time of rededication that lasted until about 1.40 in the afternoon, and stomachs were grumbling and hunger, and yet they still stayed, and oh, it was, uh, it was, a, beautiful, it was a beautiful sight. I just want just to extend a greeting today. If you're here today, and you'd say, you know, this is my first time at Great Hills, or this is my first time in church in a long time. I just feel impressed with the Lord to tell you something today. He is thrilled that you're here. God is just pleased. He, he wants you here. He is wanting to bless you, to draw you close to himself. So whoever that is for, God bless you. He, he loves you. If he had a wallet, your picture would be right there in it. You know what I'm saying? He, he loves you so, so very much. So we're in the book of Acts, and we're looking at chapter 1 today. We're going to begin reading in verse 9 in just a moment. Today is one of those, it's one of those great opportunities for me to preach a very a doctrinal, theological, orthodox sermon. Now, of course, whenever you preach the Bible, you're going to get a doctrinal, theological, orthodox message because... It's predicated on, it's rooted deep within uh, the Scriptures. My, my heart, my desire, and I was sharing this with, uh, with someone just this week. Brother Terry and I had a wonderful meeting. One of our church members, he just felt the Lord impressed him with some things he wanted to share with us. And we concluded and we agreed that oftentimes um, in church life, uh, Ed Young calls it churchianity, uh, churches can be a, a, a mile-wide and an, and an inch deep, you know? Or they can be a mile deep and, a, and an inch wide. My, my desire, my goal is this, is that Great Hills Baptist Church would be firmly rooted in the Word of God and we would go deep in the Scriptures. And having said that, there would be joy, wide, wide joy and compassion and just being thrilled and filled with the Spirit of God. So you got both. You got the depth and the doctrine, and you got the freedom and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I sense God doing here at Great Hills, and I'm just so thoroughly uh, blessed and pleased to be here, to be your pastor, to take you through this book of Acts. Hey, guys, at this, at this rate, it's going to take a while. We're going, to be, we're going to be talking about Acts for a long time, but there are coming times in, in sermons in this series that will go will go faster because they're stories and they will move quickly. But this, this one, we really need to camp out on verses 9, 10, and 11 because Luke is going to record for us one of the real cardinal foundational doctrines of Christianity, and it's called the ascension, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, sinless life. He died a vicarious death, a substitutionary death on the cross for you and for me. And they put him in a tomb and up from the grave, praise God, three days later, he came out of the tomb. And you know, when we sing about that, I can't help but just get excited. And if you heard a little Baptist up here, that was me. 
Because I was shouting. We sing about the resurrection and we're like, yeah, he rose from the dead, amen. What's the next line? Come on now, he arose. Grasp, grasp that for a moment. Jesus Christ rose up from the dead. Then the Bible says in, in Acts 1-3, for 40 days he preaches the kingdom of God and he makes at least 11 appearances to his disciples and then this happens. This climactic moment in Christendom when Jesus Christ now, he speaks his last words and we're going to look at that in a moment. And then after he speaks his last words, here it begins to happen. And he just begins to be lifted up in a cloud. And it's called the ascension when Jesus Christ ascends back to heaven. So here it is. Now, when he had spoken these things, that's a powerful statement. These things, the antecedent for that refers to the Great Commission, Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 47 and 48, and John 20, 21, all four gospel writers and Luke Acts records what is called the Great Commission. Not the Great Suggestion, but the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. He's like, okay guys, I have saved you. The, the Holy Spirit's about to come here in Acts chapter two, and then you're gonna go out, and here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make disciples of all the nations. You're gonna preach the gospel here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and, and the kingdom of God has come in triumph and in glory. And one day I'm gonna come again. Now here it is, Acts 1-9. He was lifted up after he said these things while they watched him. He was taken up and a cloud received Jesus out of their sight. You know, I hope God's got this recorded on a big DVD in heaven. I want to see this. I want to see the looks on the disciples' faces. And while they looked steadfastly, by the way, Luke's going to say five times in three verses that they looked or they watched or they saw. He's, he's really wanting to underscore, accentuate this theological bedrock cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith that this same Jesus who died, he was buried, he arose from the dead, and then he ascended back to heaven fully alive, all authority divested into him, and he goes back to the Father. And, they, and when they looked up toward heaven, there he goes, he went up and behold two men. <laughs> This is the part I really want to say. These two men dressed in white apparel. What, what do you think about that? Who do, you, who do you think these two men are? Angels, exactly, two angelic beings. They looked at the disciples and they said, men of Galilee, they, they're so calm and resolute in their speech. I can see the, the freaking out, the panic on the disciples. Going, what is this? Clouds, Jesus going up to heaven. Whoa, what's going on? And the... And the and the angels come along and they say, hey, guys, chill out. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Can we just say those three words together on the count of three? Is everybody all right? Y'all awake? Are you good? Y'all see the first three words in Acts 1, uh, 11 on the count of three. Ready? All right. One, two, three. This same Jesus who was taken up, he was taken up from you into heaven. Now on the next three words, I want y'all to say these three words with me, all right? Oh my word. It, and just give you a hint, it says, will so come. 
Okay, are you ready? All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Will so come. Ooh, son. He is coming again. You see, he is alive. He is with the Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. We're, we're living in these days. And mm, I could not wait to say this, that the next great event on God's calendar is the return of his son. He is coming again. Woo! He will so come. But, but watch what Luke does. He describes the atmosphere and the surrounding events. He, he, he describes perfectly how Jesus will come the second time. It will very much resemble his ascent up into heaven. He will so come in like manner. So there will be clouds, there will be power, there will be glory, there will be Mount of Olives, because this is where he is speaking this. Zechariah 4.14 says, or it's 14.4, can't remember, but either way it says he comes back and he steps on the Mount of Olives. So this same Jesus will come again as you saw him go into heaven. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at just a textual study of these three uh, passages of Scripture. I've got some great references, material, some quotes for you if you're interested. I don't have time to read all the, you know, the, the statements and they're all documented and footnoted. If you want, it's like six pages of notes. That ought to make you a little concerned because when Brother Danny goes into six pages, that means you go in a little longer. All right? We stay a little, a little longer and linger and deeper. So if you want it, you, you can grab this, this manuscript and you can look at all this, this data and research I've been doing for two weeks now in preparation for this sermon. For you, you know why? You know why I do this? You know, you know why I study and pour my life into these scriptures and, and teach God's word? It is for your... It's for your benefit and for the glory of God so that we go deep in the Word of God. I'm just gobbling up the Scriptures. Come on now. Gobbling up the Scriptures, getting the nutrients of God's Word so that you are full, full to the brim. I mean, you're just overflowing full with the Word of God so that you can go out and live a victorious Christian life. That's, that's the thrilling thing for me of being a pastor is to teach you the Word of God and then we go out together and then actuate. We put into practice that which we have learned. God forbid that we learn a lot and be a mile deep, be a deep. And then we go out and we're hollow or we give in to every temptation and there's no difference in our lives, then that's a travesty. That's, a, that's, that's not what God intends. God wants us to go down deep and understand and worship him with our minds. And then when we go out of this place that we're so filled with the spirit of God, we don't wanna sin. We don't wanna do things that bring dishonor to God, but we wanna promote the kingdom of God. We wanna tell other people about Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important to get in church on a Sunday morning. I mean, get, mm, get somewhere under the spout where the glory of God is coming out. I mean, where the word of God is being proclaimed over you so that you are filled with the spirit of God. And then you go out and you live. You live for the glory of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do this textual study. Oh, and then, what did I call it? Transformational truths. And we're going to look at three declarative truths 
about what we are taking away from the textual study. And I can't wait. I'm so excited. I feel like I got to pray. All right, y'all want to pray with me one more time? Good. Thank you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we are, Lord, we are hungry for the word of God. We are, we're needing, we're needing you, Lord. The philosophy and the ideology of this world does not satisfy us, Lord. We know there's something more. There's something, there's something, God, that you've created us for. You've created us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds, Lord, we want to worship you with our minds. We want to study. Uh, We want to go deep. But Lord, we want you to help us, God. Help us understand. Holy Spirit, oh, be our teacher, be our instructor. Lord, I pray. And I've always believed, God, that great preaching always happens when the people hear another voice. Oh, God, may they not just hear me, but God, may they hear the voice. The voice of the Spirit saying, this is the Word of God. This is the way. Now walk. Walk in it. Be changed. Be different. Be encouraged. Oh, Lord, do it for your glory, God, for the glory of your great name and for the expansion of the kingdom of God in Austin, Texas and around the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to... um, Let's go back to verse 9, and this is our textual study. This is where we're just going to kind of look at it a little bit more in depth, where it says, now when he had spoken these things, again, these things refer to the Great Commission. Verse 8 immediately precedes verse 9. That's the most profound thing you're going to hear all day, I'm telling you. Verse 8 precedes verse 9, but when he says, now after these things, after he said, now the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to receive power. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the, all over the world. After, after he said these things, while they watched, he was, he was taken up. He was, he was lifted up and a cloud received him out of their sight while they watched, taken up. This, this word, these four words really encapsulates what we call this, this Christian doctrine of the ascension. And it's imperative, Jesus said, it is absolutely imperative that I leave you. I've been with you now for 33 years. Disciples, I've been with you for three and a half years. Everywhere I went, basically you went. And I've taught you everything that the Father wanted me to teach you. I have discipled you. And now it's your turn. You get to go and make disciples of of all the nations. And now I'm going to be taken back. I'm going to go back to my father in heaven because when I go, then I'll send him. He will come. And this is what he's referring to in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the paraclete or the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. One writer puts it like this. He says, the clouds often are associated with theophanies. We have a cloud here. And you think about the theophanies of 
the pillar of, of cloud by day in the Old Testament. I think about the clouds enveloping Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. And now these, these clouds, it, you just kind of sense the, the imminent presence of, of God because He's taken up in, in, these, in these clouds. And while they looked, verse 10, toward heaven as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So you've got this theophany, you've got this, this appearance of, of Christ and, and he's being taken up in, in, these, in these clouds and, and they are looking up and they are watching and they are absolutely blown away, amazed that that Jesus that they saw healing people, loving people, changing the world, bringing in the kingdom of God, dying on a cross rising from the dead, preaching the kingdom of God. That same Jesus, they know he is leaving. He is going back. It's called the ascension. And as they're looking up, here they come, these, these two angelic messengers. When I was reading this, I couldn't help but think of Luke 24, 4, 5, and 6. Y'all remember the story? The women, they run to the empty tomb and they are there to prepare the body with, with spice and Jesus had been crucified and he'd been placed in Joseph's tomb. And so when they go, they're like, what? He's, where is he? And they're looking around and you know, they're franticking and they're doing like these guys are doing in Acts 1. They're like, whoa, come, come back. Whoa, whoa, don't, don't, don't leave. And then it says, and these two uh, people, angels, they give what I'm, what I'm gonna call today is an angelic rebuke. They are, there's this kind rebuking of them saying, it, it's, it's okay. Everything is just, everything is going just the way God planned it. You don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. You just need to wait. And God is so gracious that he sends. Remember in, in Luke 24, why seek ye the living? among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. And now the angels come to the disciples and they say, why are you stand gazing up into heaven? Jesus Christ, that is him, and he will come again. One writer puts it like this. He says, picture the disciples standing in fear and in awe. They look intently, a phrase which appears 14 times in the New Testament, 12 of the 14 times that look intensely, look steadfastly, they all, those appear in Luke-Acts. We know that this is the 11th appearance of the Lord after His resurrection, and that the ascension took place on the Mount of Olives in the vicinity of Bethany, end of quote. You say, why do you read that quote? Well, why, why are you telling us all this geographical, you know, detail? Because here's, here's what's so important, church. That what we have is a faith that's concretized, that's rooted in fact, in history. This is not some fairy tale. Oh, angelic beings, you know, people floating around on clouds. Oh, yeah, right. You know, we, this is the 21st century. And, and, and we, we, don't, we don't believe stuff like that. We, we, don't, we don't need supernatural events. I'll tell you what I do. I need that. I need an empty tomb, brothers and sisters. I need a resurrected Christ. I need an ascended Christ. And the Bible says all of this happened precisely according to the will of God. And I accept it. I believe it. And for every T, 
here and for every fear, there's an empty grave. There's an ascended Christ. Listen now, rooted in history, Mount of Olives, Bethany, the people are watching. He is lifted up on high, ascending back to the Father, who also said, verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? Verse 11, and we read it a moment ago, this same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, in the meantime, what is Jesus doing in heaven? He is being worshiped. He is in heaven with the Father. And the Bible says in Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able. He saves to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Now watch this. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. A resurrected Christ, an ascended Christ, interceding for the body of Christ. And he is in heaven and in that next great, I mean, cataclysmic, I mean, amazing event that will happen is when Jesus Christ, and we studied this for a year and a half in the book of Revelation. And let me, let me just give you a quick summary on the book of Revelation. Here it goes. Times are going to get bad and Jesus is coming again. That's it. That's, that's it. You say, brother, that, that took you. 10 seconds, and it took, you an hour, it took you a year and a half to say that. Would you just tell me again? Times will get bad, and they are bad, and they're going to get worse. But for the child of God, we have no fear, because our king, our king conquered death, hell, and the grave. Our king arose from there. Our king ascended up into heaven. Our king is making intercession for us, his saints, even here on this earth. Our king sent the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who loves us, who motivates us, who gives us that dunamis power. And one day our king comes, glory to God, he comes back to this earth and we reign with him forever. Woo, man, that is our faith. That is the Christian that's the Christian faith. Thank you, Jesus. He says here that it, it was time. It was time to come down from the mountain now. And now it's time to go witness what they had seen. And this writer says, it was a strong affirmation of Jesus' return. Listen to this. Not just a promise, but a reality concretized and affirmed by the ascension that they had just Witness. That's a lot of doctrine there. Man. Verses 9, 10, and 11. Textual study. What does this mean? Okay, now, let me take just a couple of moments and just speak to you about how these truths, concretized and deeply rooted in history, how they have a transformational power among us even today. Listen, today. When we're living in the 21st century today, where evil is applauded as good, where good is demonized as evil, where up is down, down is up, it's we're just like, what in the world is going on? You say, what are you talking about, Brother Dan? Have you watched television lately? Have you heard what comes out of the mouth of some of those who claim to be our political leaders? Have you, have you been watching what is going on? It's just like this, this delusion. It's just like this... This, this world is just, is just going to hell in a handbasket. And, and Jesus is like, hey, listen, I, I read Revelation one more time. It, it will be bad. 
but I will come again. Here's the first truth. I want you to remember maybe the Holy Spirit deeply ingrained this in your heart. Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive. Yes, he did die, but he arose from the grave. He lives. He li- I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, shazam, he's always near. I love that. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. You you want to ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. That's how I know he lives. Oh, let me give you something else. Newsboys. That was a hymn. Here's Newsboys. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. Roaring like a lion. God's not dead. That's right. Old hymns. Yes, amen. The new sing. Sing it. Yes. What are they singing about? They're singing about a royal, regal, resurrected, reigning, and soon returning Jesus the Christ. He is alive. Woo, he's alive forevermore. Thank you, Lord. This is the heartbeat of Christianity, that Jesus Christ is not a good prophet, a dead Messiah. No, he is a living, wonderful Messiah. Paul says this, for I delivered this to you. First of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and He arose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen. (laughs) He was seen by Cephas, then by the 12. The first transformational truth that I want you to just deeply concentrate on it, marinate on it, focus on it, that Jesus is alive. Number two, Jesus is coming again. I get this right out of the scriptures. It is the next great event. It is. And it's something that we should be incredibly, not fearful about, but incredibly excited about. If God so chooses to rapture his church and take us up, amen. If God so chooses just Jesus just to come and, and, and reign on this earth, amen. Either way, Jesus comes again and he reigns upon this very earth that he created. And you can forget about the rights being called wrong and the wrongs being elevated and worshiped as right. No, when he comes... He makes it very clear and he reigns. That is what we call our blessed hope, our confidence in the return of Christ. I love this one writer, Dr. Gangle. He says, the second coming has no appeal for unbelievers. Wow. It's only for us as believers. With Jesus in heaven, we must live our lives by faith and turn our hearts and our vision upward and forward. During the time he is there and we are here, He serves as our heavenly intercessor and advocate. That ought, that ought to encourage us in our efforts to live and witness for him. Don't ever lose sight of that church. Let that always be at the forefront of your mind that this same Jesus who died arose from the dead and ascended. He will come again in like manner. Okay, here's the last one. And I got to camp out on this one for just a minute because this is where we are. This is where we live. I hear it. I smell it. I see it. I sense it. And I hear it spoken. 
is that we, unfortunately, oftentimes become a people of fear. Let me just make this declarative statement. If everything I have shared with you is true, then all fear is gone. It's gone. So what, what, what Bible do you read? I'm reading the only Bible we got. He died. He conquered death, grave, hell, sin. He arose. He is now in heaven. All fear is gone. I, I had another song on my mind. Let me see if I can find it. I got so excited I just ran right past it a moment ago. There it is. Because he lives. You know, this, this song, I, I was thinking about it today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives. All is gone. All what? You say, yeah, I, I, that song, you know, that's just a, yeah, I've sung that. I don't, what does that mean? It means what it says. All fear is gone. And it's interesting, when Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote that, In 1971, by the way, he's 82. He'll be 83 next month. And he is one of the most joy-filled, spirit-filled, kind people that I've ever met. I was watching this Broadway show the other night with my wife. She's like, oh, I want to go see Anastasia. And I said, happy wife, happy life. Here we come, Anastasia. (laughs) And you know how that goes. You think, well, I'm going. She wants to go. And I probably enjoyed it as much or more than she did. And and the lady, the the patron lady of Russia who now lives in Paris of the Romanov family, she says, I'm old and I'm mean because I'm old. That's just the way it is. You get old. You just get mean and you just get angry. That's just the way it is. That shouldn't be just the way it is. How how attractive is that to God and to people? Bill Gaither's not like that. He's up in years, but he has this, I mean, we stood in that hallway for a long time and we talked about the books we were reading and the excitement of walking with God. And he was telling me these stories and I was like, I want to grow up and be like you. Man, what a guy. But listen to this. When he wrote this hymn with his wife, quote, it was 1971. We were in the midst of social upheaval, threats of war, betrayals of national and personal trust. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Well, let me get back to the quote. It was into this world at such a time that we were bringing our third little baby assassinations, drug traffic, war monopolized the headlines. It was in the midst of this kind of uncertainty that the assurance of the Lordship of the risen Christ blew across our troubled minds like a cooling breeze in the parched desert. Holding our tiny son in our arms, we were able to write, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But listen, but greater still, the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days. Why? Because he lives. Because Jesus lives, all fear is gone. The fear of my health, the fear of my finances, the fear of my eternal destiny, the fear of this crazy world in which I live, the fear of, of what it's, it's been severed. The, 
The child of God should never be afraid. If what we believe is really true, is it true that God created you, God created me, Jesus died for our sins, he arose from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God came, he is alive, he is on his throne, he, he, he's not nervous, he's not going, oh, goodness gracious, what, what's, he, what's gonna happen next? What's, what's, what's President Trump gonna do next, angels? I don't know, he ain't worried about nothing. He's reigning on the throne. Oh. All fear is gone because Jesus is alive. If you're up in age, you're moving on towards glory, you should not fear. If you're a college student, you're going, I have no idea. What in the world am I going to do with my life? Pray. Don't worry about it. I'm about to bring a baby. Actually, Hannah and Jeffrey are, but we're about to bring a baby <laughs> in this world. Oh, this crazy old world. I can't imagine what this world's going to be like when my baby's 18 years old. Jesus Christ is king. He's king now. He's king when Claire's 18. He's king for all eternity. So somebody please stand up and argue for me and argue for, to me convincingly why I should be afraid if my God is who he says he is. There's no argument. There is no argument. Okay. Oh, I'm so sweating hot. Why am I wearing this? I don't know, but I'm hot. That's why I don't. Okay, I'm going to get really heavy on y'all doctrinally, theologically. It's going to go deep, so y'all got to stay with me, all right? You ready? Okay, good. Last week, Duke University beat Louisville Cardinals in a basketball game. He's preaching my sermon. Okay, so it's, it's 9.30. Is it Tuesday night late? Tuesday night late, 9.30. I know Duke is playing Louisville, number one against, or number two against 15 or whatever it is. And, and I'm watching, I'm going, wow. Louisville's putting the beat down on Duke. And I find myself doing something that I don't normally do. I was pulling for Duke. I mean, Duke always wins, but they're, I mean, they're getting beat. And I was like, come on, Duke. At 9.40, I was like, I was out. I was asleep. Said, Man, you live a boring life. You go to sleep at 9.40. When you get up at oh dark 30 and go run and all these other things I'm doing, you, you got to sleep at night. And then the next morning, my son, who's the biggest non-graduate of Duke fan that you've ever met, <laughs> shares with me, Dad, they were down 23 points in the fourth quarter, nine minutes left. I said, yeah, I know. He said, they came back and won. I thought they won the game. He goes, have you seen the post interview? I said, no, I'm, son, I'm, I'm sorry. I was out. I was asleep. Your mom was snoring. I was out too with her. Amen. <laughs> and he goes, oh, dad, I'm going to send it to you. So he sends it to me. And they interview Zion Williamson. I wonder where he got his name, by the way. Zion Williamson is a beast. 6'7", 285 pounds. Kind of reminds you of me, doesn't it, when you look up here? 6'7", <laughs> 285, can do a 360 twirl dunk. Him, I mean, they, these guys are amazing. So they're interviewing him. 
And they say, well, what happened to y'all? Listen carefully. (laughs) He said, well, coach. Coach said, we're going to win this game. And if you lack confidence or if you're fearful, look at me. Look at me. You're on the court. We're down 20-something points. And you lack confidence. Look at me. And then he said these words. I don't coach losers, so get out there and win. They came back like, I mean, hair on fire, stripping the ball from Louisville, scoring, winning the game. And I thought about that. I thought about that when I'm fearful, when I'm worried, when I don't think it's going to turn out very well. And the king says, look at me. Look at me. I'm, I'm your king. No, you're not a loser. My royal blood courses through your veins. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Look at me. You're not a loser. You will win. That's coming from the king, not from a coach. All fear is obliterated. It is gone because Jesus, what? He All right, okay, I gotta get my head on the game straight. Here we go. 12 o'clock. Literally, it's 12 o'clock. We're gonna do something in a couple weeks that I wanna invite you to come to. If you're, a, if you're interested in our church, becoming a member, we're gonna have another Discover Great Hills class. And it's going to be full, but we want you to come anyhow and learn about Great Hills. Is this a place that God is calling you to come and to serve? We want you to come. And here's something I felt the Lord really impress upon me this week. And I want to share this with you. I'm going to pray with you. Then we're going to have our invitation. And then I've got to go see a newborn baby. I'm so excited. I mean, Erin finally had Clover. Isn't that amazing? She was a week late. Clover was happy. Clover didn't want to come out, but Clover came. And I can't wait to go see a newborn baby. There's just something about holding a newborn baby. Oftentimes, when people, when people look for a church and they're looking to say, was, is this the church that I want to go and be a part of? And then they start going, okay. Does it do this? Does it do that? Does it do this? Does it do that? Does it meet my needs? Does it do everything I need it to me and me? And does it help me and myself and myself and mine and me? And I want want to help you with something right quick, okay? Just quit thinking like that. Just say, Spirit of God, is this where you want me to serve you best? And then if he says, yes, then come. Then come. Get involved. Serve. Tithe. Go out with us when we go out here in a few weeks and just love on this city and this community, then you come. And let that be your your next spiritual step. Some of you today, you are paralyzed with fear. I mean, you you have a phobia about, if, if you're not worried and fearful, then you get worried and fearful because you're not worried and fearful. It's it's a strange phenomenon. Some of you are going, dude, don't talk about me like that. I, I, I can't help that. Yes, you can help that. You can help it. And here's how you help it. 
You take God at his word. Would you take God at his word and replace the fear, the anxiety, the depression, and the hurt and the pain, replace that with the love of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God, the anointing of God. I'm telling you, God and fear cannot coexist in the same place. One's going to predominate over the other. So I'm speaking to you in truth and in love. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to fill you and to trans, transform you. Some of you today, I, I feel in my spirit, some of you need to be born again of the Spirit of God, meaning confess your faith in Christ. Tell God, say, God, it's me. You know me. You created me. I'm wayward. I'm sinful. I'm sorry. I'm leaving all that by your strength. Take me, Lord. Take me. And I'm leaving that life, turning away in repentance, and I'm casting myself upon the mercy of God in faith. Some of you need to do that today. And be set free. Be born again. And I'm going to pray toward that end. Would you pray with me as our band comes? We're going to lead us in another song as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Can I just reiterate one more time for you today? The truth of the Word of God based upon what we read in Acts 1, 9 through 11. Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, I have no fear. Not of this oncology report that's coming, not of this difficulty in my finances, not in my wayward son or grandson. No, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Yes, I'm praying. And yes, I'm concerned, but I will not let fear paralyze me anymore. Would you, would you pray with me? Your heads are bowed and your, and your eyes are closed. If, if you would, if you, feel, if you feel the freedom to do this, with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor Danny, fear is always with me. I don't care what happens. Fear. It, it just cringes. It, it just creeps up into my life. And I would love for God to obliterate fear so that the Holy Spirit of God, He just, He knocks it out with a lethal punch. And so that I don't live paralyzed in fear. If that is you, and glory to God, you know who you are. I want you to do this. I want you to raise your hand up really, really high. Stretch it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Okay. Put your hands down. By you raising your hand, you, you have confessed to the Lord and you have, you have shared with your heart with him saying, God, that is me. That is me. So, Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit at this very moment, oh God, you would do what only you can do. I pray for the multitudes of people that raise their hands. Lord, if not 30, 40, 50 people raise their hands saying, fear has a grip on me. Why stand you here gazing? Why seek you the living among the dead? Why are you acting as if God is dead? God loves you. God desires you. Jesus is stronger than the enemy that persecutes you. So now, Believe and receive and trust in God. I pray for them, Lord. I pray for them with all of my being and everything within me. And I pray now for our church. God, I'm praying that you'd send us many more Phil and Stephanie's, that you would send people, God, whose hearts are 
can't wait to get here, can't wait to serve, can't wait to give, can't wait to just get plugged in and what the Holy Spirit of God is doing here. Lord, send those people and, and Lord, entrust them to us so that we can disciple them and nurture them and grow them up deep in their faith so that when they go out in this world, Lord, they are more than conquerors. And finally, Lord, I pray when the pressure is on and when the temptation rises and when the enemy is screaming and blaring at us with his deception and with his accusation, let us look to you. Help us lift up our eyes and get our confidence and get our strength and hear you say, you are my child. You're not a loser. You are, you are part of my kingdom. Now go in victory. And Lord, this is my prayer for this church that I dearly love. And I give them today, Lord, the gospel. I give them my very life. And Jesus, I plead for them that you would bless them and prosper them in every way, that there would not be a residue of fear, oh God, but we bind that in Jesus' name and we say, be filled with the Spirit of God and go and live a life of victory. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, good. Amen. All right, I want you to stand up. We're going to sing songs unto the Lord. We're here for you. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. If you've got something you're just battling with, wrestling with, and you need victory over that, then you come. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Sean, you guys lead us in the next song.